on TV, online and on. We're turning you on. Please don't turn us off. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EBT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Coming up on today's show, it is the Daniel Negreanu Holiday Special. <laughs> Hopefully better than the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I was coming up with this idea. I was like, what can we do? Like, how do we have something worse than B. Arthur and droids on the show? I know, me and James. Introducing Joe Stapleton's father, Itchy. So weird. Such a weird thing. You know, uh, because of the internet, that's like widely available now. But when I first saw it, I had to have it on like a bootleg VHS yeah. that like one guy had from, from like taped off television from the 70s or whatever it was. Let's not forget that even in the era of YouTube, it wasn't available for years because Lucas just wanted to suppress this thing at all costs. And it yeah. was only when Disney got hold of Star Wars and they're kind of like, yeah, we don't give a shit. And my guess is we are probably going to want to suppress this episode at all costs. <laughs> we have a big announcement about Kid Poker. No space in that, by the way. That's just Kid Poker, all one word. That's going to be relevant later on. Uh, that's Kid Poker, the movie that we're talking about. Big announcement coming up. And no Daniel Negreanu holiday special be, would be complete without Daniel himself. He's the guest on today's show. An extended chat with the man they call Kid Poker. You know, usually when I read an article about a show that I'm on, I'll scan the article, and if I don't see my name, I'll get really pissed off. But this week, I read an article about a show I'm on, and my name wasn't in it. So I'm actually really, really happy about it. <laughs> totally cool with it this time. Totally cool that my name was not mentioned at all this week on social media. Not at all. And I, I, might, I just, it was, you know what, typically, James, I'd be like, it's kind of a slow week for me. And this week, I was like, you know what? I'm good. Two I'm thumbs good. up. Uh, talking of slow... <laughs> Uh, Tim Lake and Aaron Gunningham were among the people who tweeted in the last five days to say, could be wrong, but pretty sure the new Amazon advert has stolen the EPC Not Live soundtrack. I mean, how are these people aware that that is the music from EPC Not Live if they're not listening to the podcast, where we've talked about this two times already? I mean, James, you don't have Facebook, but it's kind of like the thing where um, people will all write the same comment under a photo, and you're like, just... Just give it a second. Just give it a little glance. See if maybe we haven't already covered that ground. Yes, exactly. We are aware, everyone, and we don't have an issue with it because we got there first. Uh, Michael, last week's superfan, um, has tweeted a link to a YouTube video of what looks like a Canadian TV show called Letter Kenny and asks, are there so many EPT Not Live references in the first two minutes that this can't be a coincidence? Now, there's a reference to someone playing on PokerStars.com in this show, I saw no other references to either PokerStars or EPT Not Live in any of the videos on this account. Is this the, the two hicks who kind of make the two frat boys look like idiots? First yes. of all, I thought it was really funny. I actually thought it was... I didn't get it. Oh, I thought it was hysterical. It's like these two hicks who are actually really sharp dudes, and I just thought they were really funny and quick, and I liked it. But yeah, I, I, saw, I thought the same thing. Like, there's one quick reference to Poker Stars, and that was it. Here's the real question. Did we pay for that? I don't think so. Because that seems like something that, you know, that we would do. No, I think I would have heard about it if we had. Okay. That they was more my question. 
Yeah, I mean, I, it seems that the people who made this show may be aware of Pokestars or may hashtag play on Pokestars, but I don't think this podcast is necessarily on their radar, and I don't think there were any sly references to EPT Not Live in the show. No, but I will say, oh God, I should tell you this, that remember that I talked about the, the my friend, the movie producer, and my experience with the director of the yes, movie? Yes, the Daniels. Another one of her like producing friends listens to this show and took that section and played it for her and she was like you just should have been honest if you didn't like the movie <laughs> and i wouldn't have stuck you with the director and i was like well no i, I really played up the story for the podcast which i did like i you know it's, oh, i feel it's really much, bad now because i'm the one who encouraged you to be honest about it it's much more it's much more interesting you know for the podcast if i say i don't like the movie it's not very interesting to be like the movie's great blah blah, blah. and i will say what i said to the director was true like I didn't know how to feel about it at the time. And now that I know other people think it's really good, I also think it's good. And that is exactly the way that you should be thinking. <laughs> uh, some praise for my co-host from Peter Blow and from Jamie Robinson. Pete says, I genuinely never heard the paper jam on the A4 gag before. Loved it. Uh, Jamie says, far too many laughs from that gag. Cheers for the show, as always. Yeah, I don't like... Obviously, it's one of those jokes where obviously, like, I couldn't be the first person to ever make it, but it just tickles me. And James, I mean, <clears throat> it might have been the first joke I wrote in the UK. So James has heard it as a result of that more times than any other joke I've made about the UK. That is the thing is that joke is a good four or five years old for me. Um, Zach Wiggum says, I didn't think it was possible for anyone to do a Jason Mercer impersonation, but Stapes nailed it. I, that that means a lot to me because I feel like I gave up on the impersonation like after the first tweet. Ah, but then what's great there is by giving up on it, you then became more relaxed. <laughs> and bear in mind that Jason is someone who kind of dials in his delivery. <laughs> it sounded more like Jason. It certainly suggested Jason Mercia. By not giving a fuck, I ended up sounding like a guy who gives very few fucks. <laughs> Uh, and last but by no means least, uh, Chris Gumprich says, I think James may be the only person I've met, in inverted commas, who hates traveling more than I do. I guess this is off the back of my Sunday driver's rant. I don't actually hate traveling that much. It's the people you encounter along the way <laughs> that make it a complication. Otherwise, the journey itself, I'm kind of okay with. James is going to be the first guy to sign up for VR holidays. Like, he'll just be like, wait, what? I don't have to interact with any other people? Sign me up. <laughs> you know, I think I hate traveling um, as much as this guy thinks you hate traveling. When I don't have to travel, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. Yeah, well, I, I, I made the decision this weekend to not do anything. It was a bank holiday weekend in the UK, a three-day weekend. So basically, We had one too, buddy. Caught up with a lot of movies, uh, rewatched a lot of movies, and uh, finally completed my journey through Battlestar Galactica. Confirmed the suspicion that I had when we talked about it last time that the writers didn't really have a plan for this show. Made it up as they went along, shoehorned in some stuff that they kind of had to tie up narratively. The ending was reasonably satisfying, but overall I was a bit disappointed to be honest. Along the way, when this show is good, it's really good. And there are some great ideas explored. I just wish they'd mapped it out properly from the start. So in summary, I admire anything which shoots for the moon. Because even if it misses, by coming close, it has my respect. But it does fall short of greatness. And I, in all God's honest truth, bear in mind there are four seasons and around 80 episodes. 
I can't recommend it as something that is essential viewing. Yeah, well, that's good. You just saved me uh, like 80 hours worth of, well, it's called 60 hours worth of time because I'll probably skip that one. I, uh, You know, James, I'm, well, while I've been traveling, I've been catching up with the Americans, and I'll say that season two ending to that was fantastic. I didn't see it coming, and I love that show, but that's kind of like my travel thing, and I haven't flown for a while, so I haven't watched it. So because I've been home, and I finally got cable again, I've been catching up with some new shows that are on. So this week I watched the premiere for Preacher. I don't know if you guys have heard of that there, but it's based on the graphic novel, the Garth Ennis graphic novel. I have to say, didn't love it. Didn't love it. Thought it was okay. It had potential, but it was a little bizarre. And then, you know, Ronald D. Moore is like the executive producer of Battlestar Galactica, right? Yes, he was. Well, he's got a new show now that he's show running called Outlander which is on stars and it's about this like woman this World War II nurse who like travels back in time to like 1700 Scotland. This is, is any relation to the movie Outlander is it? It's not like a reboot is, or a sequel. Is Outlander about Scotland? Uh I don't think so. No, it's it sounds more like Highlander than Outlander but um, I started watching it cause I, I heard it was like the hot new show. And then I realized I was like, this is a girl show. It's like, <laughs> it's like what about constitutes like a girl's show. Joe? Like the first hour is all about like her marriage and like her husband, like going to a bed and breakfast together. Like the first 45 minutes of the show take place at a bed and breakfast. That's a fucking girl show. And then, you know, obviously like the main character is a heroine of sorts, which is fine with me. Like I, I, I look, I don't mind female characters as long as they're strong female characters and she seems plenty strong but like the whole thing i was like man this reminds me of something my mom would have watched it's like a period movie it's it's basically like it's a time travel someone's like we've seen time travel shows before but what if someone goes back in time from already being back in time like because it's like a world war ii period thing that then goes to the, it's like very confused and i'm not really sure how i feel about it well, yet. i think it I'll sounds it interesting shot, and it's, it's rated uh, 8.5 out of 10 on imdb yeah it's getting great reviews which i didn't really get because i thought it was like kind of slow and boring but uh, you know the whole romantic marriage angle it ain't the way to get me so i'll give it another shot though well i mentioned i caught up with some movies i watched spirited away for the first time um the studio ghibli movie oh, yeah, which is 20 years late on that one but i mean i haven't 15, seen it either, to be so. precise 15 but <laughs> it's absolutely stunning it'll blow you away i strongly recommend it uh, and one other incident from the bank holiday weekend i accidentally invented a new drink um by you know when when you combine two things that you wouldn't think should be combined or would yeah, naturally usually, be combined usually when you're drunk no no i was just clumsy um do you like kebab and peanut butter that's the kind of thing i come up with that kind of thing so um <laughs> i had a i had a, a gherkin or I, I, a dill pickle you know the thing i mean like a pickled cucumber sure yeah what had you just eaten a deli sandwich why why were you i was a- i was i was eating a a cheese and pickle sandwich but with a with a with a gherkin with a spear on the side okay the gherkin accidentally fell into a cup of coffee creating what i like to call a gherkachino and how much of said gherkachino did you actually ingest? Zero, because I knew it would taste disgusting. However, I just thought gherkachino was a great name, and it doesn't matter what it tastes like. Surely, this is a marketable product. And I can see the pictures of a, you know, a cup of coffee with a gherkin poking out the top. You know who you appeal to there, James, is that gherkins are a negative calorie food. Really? 
Yeah, like especially if it's just like a salt brine, it takes more calories to eat a gherkin than you get from it. Joey, you know that pretentious coffee shop you tweeted me a picture of in Los Angeles? <laughs> yes. Can you please take the Gurkachino pitch to that coffee shop, do the whole zero calorie bullshit, and I reckon we could make some dollar here. I will get you 25 cents for every $15 cup of Gurkachino they sell somebody. <laughs> Look, I got to do a I got to I got to do one quick little um story from my personal life and uh, it, it's going to end with a, a reading from the book of Joe uh, and it goes something like this when you um, when you're a single man or, or really at any point in your life um, I would recommend uh, let me just tell you guys a little story I'll get to the recommendation afterward I was uh, hanging out on Monday night trying to watch The Bachelorette and my phone rang from a number I didn't recognize and I answered the phone and uh, it was a, a, a woman a girl crying <clears throat> saying she was having a really bad day and that she really needed me. I, uh, again, it was a number I didn't recognize, so I unfortunately had to say, who is this? And she said, oh, I can't believe you don't have my number saved. Oh. And I just went, Carla? And she was like, yes, of course. And then she um, she launched into what was upsetting her. Now, my friends that I've been watching The Bachelor with, they know Carla, and they know that she can be a bit of a drama queen. So what I did is I, just, I put Carla on speakerphone. Oh, and I, I really her. hope that Carla isn't one of those people who listens to the podcast without your knowledge. Uh, it's in, uh, I, I doubt it's happening. By the way, I changed Carla's name too, just uh, just in case. And so uh, Carla, Carla was like very upset, and my uh, my friends were like kind of having a chuckle, but we're also like, hey, just uh, no, this isn't right. Like, just stop. And I, the thing is, Carla is sometimes a very selfish friend, and the thing is, I wouldn't do this to anyone. Um, and, and Carla knew also that I that I was having people over to watch The Bachelor, and so. I just, Carla was really upset. So I was like, hey, you've got these things that are going on in your life that are really good. You've got, you've got these friends who you really appreciate, blah, blah. And finally, I was like, hey, look, I got to go. Like, I, I'm sorry I can't stay much longer, but I was, you know, answer this call with people. Goodbye. Um, and everyone was like, wow, I can't even, like, what did Carla call you from like a fake number so that she could get you to answer a call? What was the deal? And I was like, I don't really know. And then the next morning, uh, I got a text message from that same number uh, saying thanks for being there for me last night. And then when I read the conversation, the thread of the conversation, I all of a sudden remembered who this person was. Her name was Carla, but not the Carla I thought it was. <laughs> so a, a whole load of the things I told her must have made no sense whatsoever. And I was like, yeah, but you just went to Coachella. Wasn't that great? When there was silence on the other end of the phone, that's because this Carla didn't actually go to Coachella. So, again, the moral of the story, the reading from the book of Joe, always save people's phone numbers. It comes in handy so you know who to answer and also who not to answer. Follow your rainbow. So, Joe, we have a big guest on this week's show and a big announcement to make. So, without further ado, let's get to that all-important poker news. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live News. And the news concerns the Kid Poker documentary, a film made by PokerStars Original Films, following the life story of Daniel Negreanu, which premiered in Toronto last year, has been screened on Canadian TV, and is now available... For anyone in the United States of America, Canada, the UK, Ireland, Australia and New Zealand via Netflix. Yes, 
Kid Poker is now live on Netflix. Wait, actual Netflix, not like spelled like F L I C K S or like PokerStars.netflix. No, the actual Netflix. See if you can find it, Joey. Are you fucking shitting me? Wait, so when does it come out? Now. It should be there now. It's out right now? Yeah. Okay, hold on. All right, I'm going to search for it. We're going to see. I have my, I actually have Netflix on right now. There it is, Kid Poker. Oh, it's got the little spotlight, the poster. Let me click on it here. So, yes, you can now watch Kid Poker on Netflix, assuming you're in the US, Canada, UK, Ireland, Australia, or New Zealand. Great news for everyone, and I'm sure it's amazing news for the man whose life story is told in this documentary because people can stop badgering him about it on social media. We welcome to EPC Not Live, Daniel Negrani. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I'm an avid listener. I could be a super fan. Really? You want to apply to be on Superfan versus Tapes? Uh, yeah, I have several topics, I think. He, well, he's drawing dead against most people anyway, it seems. <laughs> so it wouldn't be that difficult, but I'm pretty sure like, I could throw out a myriad of topics and just destroy him. Man, Daniel's dangerous. Daniel's like a sneaky fan because Daniel will like go like two years without listening to something and then he'll pop up on the show and he'll be like, yeah, I listened to all 400 episodes a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> you have, it seems, and just judging from some of the things you've been tweeting about, you seem to have been consuming more podcasts recently and you even talked about potentially hosting one. Yeah, definitely. It's sort of a new genre for me. I never really understood and how easy and accessible they are but it's great for being on the planes i was you know back and forth to romania and had a lot of free time and was looking for some good podcasts i listened to the poker ones and also some game of thrones some hearthstone some you know different types of podcasts and it's fun it's a good way to pass time man i got so much stuff i want to talk to you about right now daniel i do want to talk to you about romania i want to talk to you about being on an airplane because apparently you spent a lot of time antagonizing stewardesses but let's talk about kid (laughs) poker first daniel i just brought it up on my netflix it's there it's uh, like it's it's right in front of my face right now oh on netflix yeah it's up buddy have you gone and looked yet i'm gonna go look that's so cool so exciting the perfect spot for it i was super stoked when i heard netflix because when i think of documentaries and i think of where i would watch a documentary netflix is it like that's my first go-to place so really cool to see them uh you know make you know make that happen and of course, as I joked at the start, Daniel, how many hours of the day go by without somebody tweeting at you or messaging at you? Where can I see this documentary? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's been a 24 hour period since, you know, we announced the documentary that has gone by where it goes. People's like, I want to see it. Where do I see it? And it doesn't help often when, you know, some people have seen it. I retweet their tweets or, or you know, mention that and everybody else gets jealous. <laughs> Daniel, so you've been, I mean, you look, you've been famous for a long time, right? I mean, you've been somewhat famous for a really long time and pretty famous for a fairly short time. You, you've been to a lot of cool stuff. You're in Wolverine, right? You're in, uh, you're in that Canadian sitcom with your boy Jerry D up there. Right now, when you log into Netflix and see the documentary of, you know, of your life on there, does it still affect you? Do you give a shit? Well, it depends on your definition, you know, like I, I, I don't know about if I would phrase it that way in terms of whether I give a shit or not. I think it's really cool. I'm like happy to have it there. It's like for me, the whole documentary and everything about it is just a family memory that I'll have with me forever. It sort of documents my parents, my upbringing, the journey. So, you know, I don't know that I would want to do another one anytime soon because it feels like they encompassed so much of my life. You'd have to take a very unique angle to do a better job than, uh, or, you know, even a, even a job that's new and interesting. This was really 
uh, it blew me away because it, it took a total angle I didn't expect. I mean, you mentioned, Daniel, that some people have seen the film already. We had the world premiere in Toronto. It was screened on Canadian TV. Uh, there have been subsequent screenings at the PCA and in Romania, where you were recently. So some people have seen it. I would say that the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone that, even haters, you know, usually they come out and have something to say, but there really just wasn't any. It was really positive. I think a lot of people, myself included, were surprised with, you know, how in-depth they went. into. It. Again, I, what I think is important about this and the reason it's on Netflix is because whether you play poker or not is, is pretty relevant in terms of whether or not you enjoy the documentary. It's more a story of family story of someone determined to do something that's unique and different and reaching the highest heights of his career, um, you know, with a lot of confidence and, you know, ups and downs along the way. I mean, I think that's what ultimately why you can't have any haters is because the, the movie's a tearjerker, man. Like, how evil would a person have to be to not appreciate some of the stuff that goes on between you and your family? Like, you just have to be a completely heartless prick. And nobody shed more tears than you, Joseph Stapleton. Yeah, I know. I just I was just bawling my fucking eyes out sitting there watching this movie, sitting next to Daniel, sitting next to Francine. I don't know, man. I'm getting I'm actually getting a little choked up just thinking about it right now. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about the haters. You, you, you know those people you describe. They're out there. They're usually behind a keyboard somewhere, you know, just looking to troll you. So they're there. They're definitely there. But with this with this film, it just I just didn't see any of it. This movie transcends trolling. That's how good it is. <laughs> is there anything uh, that was in the movie that, after having seen it, that you would like you would take out? Uh, that's a great question. You know, I loved all of it. I feel like there was one section about kind of like going back to the, you know, the full tilt stuff, and uh, you know, my obviously my, my my harsh words towards Howard. It all happened, and I don't have any regrets, right? But it's, it definitely kind of sort of was a tangent from the story that we were telling up until that point about family. It was kind of like – I think it was fair to put it in because it's really another a side of me, which is a very opinionated, mouthy guy who – you know, it was great to have John Duffy in there so that, you know, it really wasn't just a fluff piece because John was very real and honest, you know, about me being a tosser, I think he said it at one point. <laughs> <laughs> His ego ran riot. It doesn't mean that you're good at making pizzas, by the way, Daniel. <laughs> you know, I know that. <laughs> So, okay, as far as this movie goes, you've seen the movie a bunch of times, right? I think I've seen it, I don't know if it's three or four times now. So what will be the next time that you watch it? Like, are you going to have, like, a little party or some of your friends that you haven't watched with yet going to ask, or in a reggae of those guys? Were they at the Toronto premiere? No, they, they they live in Los Angeles, so they weren't there for that. But they've been asking me about it for a while. So I don't know that I'll get a chance to see it with them because, obviously, it's available on Netflix now. And uh, I'll be grinding this thing called the World Series of Poker for the next six weeks. All right, let's talk about the World Series of Poker, I guess. Uh, prop bets this year? You know, I don't need that sort of thing to motivate me. I do my fantasy draft every year, and I'll make some side bets on my teams, and I may even draft myself this year. I've never done that. Um, but no, I don't need prop bets. I'm, I'm just, I love the grind. It's my favorite time of year. I, you know, I just enjoy being there every single day, grinding and trying to win bracelets. The prop bets aren't for you, Daniel. They're for us. We like the prop bets. Yeah, no, and I get that. And there's plenty out there. You know, got the Jason Mercier, Dmitry Urbanovich. You got, there's always some degenerate, like, I, I mean, I'd like to see some prop bets between Jason Mercier and Doug Polk because oh. I would definitely, 
I would love to wager on that one, and I'd bet I'd bet I'd bet pr- a pretty high, significant amount of my net worth on that one. Yeah, I don't know whether you heard our reenactment of the Doug Polk, Jason Mercia Twitter spat on last week's podcast. I think it's fair to say that Joe's impersonation of Jason was slightly more accurate than my impersonation of Doug Polk. But <laughs> we did conclude by noting that you weighed in on that one, and did I see that the Godfather of Poker himself, Dol Brunson, also called out Doug on that? Yeah, I didn't see that, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Doyle's been around a long time, a lot longer than I have, and so have I. And it's just, it's just bad form, you know. Uh, you know, to, to just take a peer, especially a guy like Jason Mercer, who everybody likes. Like, I've never heard anyone say, I don't like this guy. And to just say, oh, no, no, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I just don't have any respect for his poker game. That's one of those things that you can phrase in a very different way where you can you could say something to the effect of, you know, I feel like heads up against the best players in the world online. You know, he's probably a significant dog, but he obviously he's done well in tournaments and, and does well there. So to take the stance that he does, I mean, it's just bad form. Uh, even if he f- truly believes it, there's tons of players, I think, that, are, that, that don't play very well. But it's just bad form. You know, how do you how do you expect that to do you feel good about yourself after you say that? Like, it's just there's some darkness in there. There just feels like there's some inner pain, some inner in, inner insecurity, inner ego battles that, you know, really stark that flame and. You know, I don't. I thought Jason's responses were kind of funny. Yes, and you know, he was responding to Doug, who had said this on a podcast and on Twitch. It wasn't just a one-time incident, like he's trying to claim, because I did hear it several times. And it seems like he's going out of his way to, you know, and you know, people who do that, going out of his way to tear down others in the hopes that elevates them. But it never works because what ends up happening is that person feels dirty about it. You know, you just don't feel good about it. You don't put that energy out there, that positive connected energy you know we're supposed to uplift each other we're supposed to like you know empower each other and and you know uh, yeah sure maybe jason would get crushed by him heads up no limit hold him so say that but to say that he sucks at tournaments and he's been high you know over plus ev it's just if you're a pro in this game I mean, that, leave that for the trolls but what doug's expressing which is, it's not a new thing is it which is that many of the players who make a fortune in the cash games don't have respect for what they perceive as tournament players for people who've won a few tournaments well, you know, there's there's some truth to that. So Doug, you know, critic, critiquing Jason's game, and he obviously doesn't have near as much success in, in multi-table tournaments. And I've watched some of the coverage from this Super High Roller Bowl, the first couple hours of him playing. And, I mean, if, if for the 20 years I've been playing poker, if that guy's a favorite in, in multi-table tournaments over Jason Mercio, I will eat my hat, your hat, and the underwear that Joe Stapleton wear that were mine. Like, <laughs> there's just no way. Like, a lot of guys don't understand. Like, experience in live tournaments matters because there's a lot of shortcuts you can take, exploitative play rather than game theory optimal play, that's just going to be better in terms of your overall ROI and your profit. So um, it's it's hard-pressed to find any um, a group of players that you could bet against Jason Mercier in any tournament. Daniel, you mentioned this Super High Roller Bowl. We will get back to the World Series in a moment, but this is the thing that everyone is talking about right now because I believe they're down to the final seven in this tournament. You have been tweeting about this. I know you're a big fan of the shot clock. You're a big fan of the rules about no sunglasses. Uh, An endless stream of tweets, and then in the middle of it, random thought, 80s music was legit. Something for everyone in a variety of genres. And that's what I love about you is there doesn't seem to be any barrier between what you're thinking of and then what gets typed on a screen. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually not funny a compliment. There are people close to me who say that. They just, oh, your brain is just weird. <laughs> like, we could be talking about some crazy poker thing and all of a sudden, and then, and then, yeah, you're right. It just comes out and 
whatever. So I've, you know, I was on CNN. It was this really cool eighties little bit. And I'm like, this is awesome. I want to share this with the world. Like <laughs> send. <laughs> it's, it's like every single one of Daniel's tweet has hashtag no filter. There is, there just isn't one. <laughs> I, I bet you have a little bit of a filter these days, right? There's some things that probably pop in your head that you won't say. Oh, you have to be, you have to have a filter these days because the world's changing, right? Younger generation progressives. There's a lot more sensitivity to specific things that you may say or may not say, like, you know, you want to call it PC culture, whatever it may be. Um, things that you could in the past see as something that's just kind of a joke, silly and good fun today is taken with such a seriousness. There's no, there's no first instinct of, oh, that's kind of funny. The first instinct is who is this offending and why should I be offended right now? So you have to be a little more careful in, in all areas for sure. I think, but you can admit that some of the seriousness is good. Of course, in some cases, you know, obviously, um, but you know, again, it real intent matters. You know, you look at a guy like Doyle Brunson, we talk about him, he's 83 years old, you know, the world he grew up in is very, very different. If we chastise him for him saying something that's not quite politically correct, like if he used the term illegal immigrant, you know, and we, we called him insensitive or whatever, when that's been a term that we've been using for a long time and you may not be up to speed on it, we're missing the boat on how to make, how to affect change in, in a real way. In a real positive way, you have to under intent matters a lot more than people want to give you credit for. I think. So, what was your intent when you started doing Jack in the uh, jumping jacks in the aisle way when the a stewardess asked you? Uh, wait, a stewardess, I probably can't say anymore. A flight attendant asked yeah. you to uh, to sit down. What was happening? Okay, so so I I didn't tweet. I, there was only 140 characters, so I didn't get the full tweet. But we were in transition. I was coming from Europe through Canada in Toronto going back to Las Vegas and there's like a spot where they just hold you like prisoner where you don't have your bag and you just can't go to your gate until your bag somehow goes through. There's nothing to drink. You're just there. You don't have to sit. You can stand. And I was discussing with people how silly this process is and how backwards it is. And one of the women there says, the lady says, okay, we need you to sit down and be, and lower your voice. And Oh, you're being an instigator. Well, I'm like, I don't have to sit down. I'm pretty sure that's not a rule because we're like in an open area. And on top of that, I liked the tone of my voice, so I said, I, I, so I just basically stood up and I said, I, that's my, the tone of my voice is just naturally loud as I was doing jumping jacks. <laughs> so I've been with Daniel before when he's, when he's pulled this move, and I have to tell you, it is so embarrassing. You just want the ground <laughs> to swallow you up, right? Yes. I'm just like, pull my hat down. Like, normally I'm like very proud. Like, yeah, Daniel Negrano is my friend. Yeah, we're like real tight. He starts doing this shit. I'm like, I never heard of this guy. I never don't know him. Point. He's a Canadian. You must be talking about Pee Wee Herman night. Pee Wee Herman night. What was that? Pee Wee Herman concert night. Oh, were you not even there? Oh, I was wasn't there for that. Okay, you missed it. That was me in rare form. Well, please. $100 bills in people's pockets. <laughs> oh, well, you, got, you guys went to see Paul Rubens or something, right? We went to see Pee Wee Herman. He had like a stage yeah. concert and they wouldn't, they, like we had all these VIP tickets and they wouldn't let a couple people in. So I was really, we were really drunk. And I just started, I thought if I put $100 in everyone's pocket, it would somehow get me in. And then we got to one guy who, you know, had to stand for what was right, you know, and he wouldn't let us cut the line or get in. And so I, I gave him a few choice words. It's really bad. I can't even repeat it here because people will hate me. Yeah. See, I don't mind the part where he's greasing people, but the part where he goes, I'm getting in here. Oh, mark my words. I'm oh, getting no. in. And I'm like, ah, Daniel, okay, I got to go. Um, <laughs> Daniel, what are you doing this year to prepare for the World Series? Have you done your Rocky Marathon yet? I do it throughout the World Series. I typically do it before the main event. That's, you know, I'd like the two, three days oh, before that. Right. I grind yes. out all of them. Yeah. Are you throwing Creed into the mix now? 
Of course, man. What a great movie. That's going to be a new franchise. It's canon. It was great. I loved it. Yeah, so you're going to have to... What is that? Seven movies now you're going to have to watch? So, you know, there's one you could skip, you know, theoretically. (laughs) Well, you know, Rocky V might be skippable. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of Rocky Balboa either, to be honest. I know people raved about it, but I just thought it was a little bit silly. I thought Creed was a much better movie. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you there. I do like that they made Rocky Balboa because the real, the other finish, Rocky V, was just such a downer. Yeah. But, you know, to come back, give Rocky sort of like a, a win going out. And then, of course, that's that's the end of Rocky Balboa as a fighter, we hope or we, we assume. Um, and then Creed just starts the whole franchise over with Rocky taking on a role that I think was by far his best performance. You know, the vulnerability, sort of older, broken down, more knowledgeable. It was just beautiful to see. Like, he, Rocky's just a likable guy. You know, if you watch movies, he's been he's one of the most likable characters ever. Just that, you know, sort of dumb, fun-loving, good-hearted, and know, it's honest. A, it, and it's worker. a fun franchise as well, because the movies change as the era changes. The first movie is very much grounded in the 70s with that kind of gritty realism, which was so inherent of films of the time. And then you've got the 80s movies, which are just so over the top with their montages, pop classics and i'd forgotten about the 80s robot when i was re-watching like three and four recently it's like how did that make it in how at some scriptwriters meeting did someone not say guys this is completely irrelevant and it's going to distract from the wider story arc here yeah well there's nothing better than a rocky montage to get pumped up i mean they're great that's what i look forward to i mean they're you know, like you said they're cliche they're 80s but they still play today you, of course. Know, you have to have it in a rocky movie leave it to daniel to like have like a really well-reasoned like sort of basis for why Rocky uh, the latest Creed was so good like he sounded like almost like a real movie reviewer and then he's like yeah but my favorite part's the montages like easily still the worst part of all the movies that's Daniel's favorite yeah, I, I mean, didn't say they were my favorite. I said they helped me to get pumped up. Oh, I see. Okay. You see, unfortunately, when we start moving on to popular culture, this is where we're going to find there's a lot of differences in our respective tastes. What, like Daniel's two favorite movies of the year were Creed and Daddy's Home? Like stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, bizarrely, you see, you'll throw a curveball out there, Daniel, because a, a lot of the HBO dramas, I know, for example, you didn't care for The Wire and you tried to get into it and just couldn't. I did. But I eventually did. I gave it a second Oh, really? Chance, oh, good. Thanks to the recommendation of a lot of people, and I really, really enjoyed it. I good, I'm glad. Because Game of Thrones is a show that I never would have thought in a million years you would have engaged with, and yet you're a huge fan. Yeah, before, you know, earlier today, I was listening to a two-hour podcast on Game of Thrones. <laughs> on the podcast, do they discuss, like, sp- is it spoilery? Well, they have three shows. They do one, it's an instant take immediately after, where they just kind of go over it for 20, 30 minutes. Then they watch again, and on Tuesday... They do like a two-hour. They go over every scene, everything important. Oh, and then Jesus. on Friday, on the Friday episode, it's the spoil. I don't listen to it. It's a spoilery one for those of people that have read the books. And there's like a lot of you know different tangents and things that they can derive you know possibilities from. Wow. Um, that- I, are you up to date, by the way, Daniel? On, of course. On, okay. I mean, this is there's no spoilers in this, by the way, anyone. I'm just just making that absolutely clear. But we agree on a lot of things, and I really hope you're going to agree with me on this one. The Sam and Gilly storyline is a fucking pain in the ass. It's a waste of time and has no place in this program. Boring. Well, I get what you're saying, but, you know, I think if you look at, like, the, what's the most functional relationship in the entire show? Like, which couple, like, actually is doing it right? You know, they seem to be, the, you know, the only one 
that is actually like a loving couple. I don't know, that brother and sister like to bang each other seem pretty loving. Yeah, My favorite. That, yeah, lo- that might not be so normal. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> you know, beats the love between Daenerys and Sejora Mormont. That is a relationship which I've loved yeah, since season but one. There's not going to be any, you know, panty dropping in that relationship. I do He's not becoming- want to see Sam drop his pants. Well, no, yeah, I know. But he did. There was an episode where that kind of sort of happened. His first time where he went, oh. <laughs> it was awesome. Yes, James, that's fattest. You're being a fattest right now. No, I'm I being a boringist. They are boring characters Wait. who add absolutely nothing. There's already too many storylines and too many characters. These well, guys are so expendable. Well, but you know what? There's all these different story arcs they're taking. And this is, the, you know, what, what we saw in the last episode without giving away any spoilers, was kind of a new branch. And you never know how these things sort of, where they lead to. It's just a starting point for something that's going to connect with some other parts of the story. They do a really good job of meshing, you know, a hundred different storylines eventually coming together in some way or another. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm exaggerating for effect to a certain degree, but I still maintain that while the show's biggest strength is its sheer scope, epicness, and multitude of storylines, its biggest weakness is its scope and multitude of storylines because I reckon in an entire season a single story doesn't get more than 20 to 30 minutes of screen time well I mean yeah over a few seasons you know they come back to different things I mean Lost tried that but it was goofy because they they would like something would happen at the end of an episode in season two and then they wouldn't talk about it for two seasons and then it would just pick up the end of season five with Game of Thrones I feel like it flows pretty well and it always seems fresh because every time they go to a different place, you're like, oh, yeah, I wonder what's happening there. It doesn't get stale and boring. But I do agree with you that, you know, that's not Daniel, the most riveting uh, storyline, those two. Daniel, I don't think – I mean, yes, I agree with you that you eventually have the thought of like, oh, what's happening here? But your first thought is, what's this fucking place again? Who are these people? <laughs> Who's this fucking guy? Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Is this new? Is this guy new or did, was he here – like, I had to fucking look up a dude on Wiki the other day. I had to look up who the Blackfish was on, like, a yeah. Game of Thrones week. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. The first time I watched the, th- the series through, I kind of went with, like, okay, sometimes I just don't know what's going on, and that's okay. I don't really know who this guy is. I don't know that. I don't know this person's name. But whatever. I still enjoy the show. I might be missing some things. Then I've watched it, you know, maybe three, four times since. And this season, you know, with also listening to the podcast and breaking down every scene, um, I'm much more into it. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm really getting every every sentence that comes out of everyone's mouth i understand the relevance of what's happening with it now daniel in terms of preparing for the world series your normal mo is after monaco to take a bit of a break and really prepare yourself for the world series slight change this year and we've already referenced it earlier on you went to bucharest because we held an event there the eureka poker tour visited romania for the first time how was that event it was packed. I mean, there was people, a lot of, actually, a lot of people from Israel, of course, a lot of locals from Romania. It was, uh, you know, it was, there was full, like there wasn't an empty table. Um, and they had a really good structure. The Eureka has a really cool way of doing things where they have like a day 1A, a day 1B. And then for people who busted out on those two days where you played, you know, 10 levels or whatever at, you know, 75 minutes or an hour, they do like a turbo day 1C where you play the same structure, but only 20 minute level. Oh, so it gives people a chance to get back and they, they're still in the same tournament. So really interesting concept. I enjoyed my time there. I had a blast. I think that, you know, obviously I got there. We had a big press conference. We showed the film uh, a couple times, actually. Uh, see people there seem to really enjoy it as, as usual. Um, and my t- I mean, I had a blast. I, I really it's not. The f- I mean, I, I was there when I was 10 years old for a month. I was there again with Stapes. 
Was that with, yeah, with you, right? Four or five that's years right. ago? That's right. Yeah. I was going to ask you because like they, they, you were like a legit celebrity there even five years ago. Was it more of the same this time? It, you know, it, you know what's interesting? It was around the poker circle and anytime I was around the casinos or whatever. But I, you know, I like to do when I go to countries often, I like to walk around by myself and get lost. And just try to, you know, find my way back. I don't know, it sounds silly, but then I find I find really neat things along the way. And I did that. And typically, you know, people walk by and it was less than 10% of people would stop me or, or, or you know, recognize me, at least as far as I know. And uh, did you get yourself, because uh, they threw like a big party for you last time I was there. And we had a couple of late nights. Any, uh, any good nightlife this time around? Well, they have a club there that, I mean, honestly, it feels like it puts most Vegas clubs to shame. It's called the Players Club in Bucharest, and the owner's a poker player. He was actually at the final table with his brother, who was in seven, the other owner who was in the last, like, 20 players. So um, they invited us out there. I went there a couple nights. It goes till 6, 7 in the morning. They do. They set it up with, like, you know, a bunch of go-go dancers who are all gorgeous, and, you know, they dance the night away. And just the setup, they had a big swimming pool, like, the whole deal. It was a lot of fun. I went out... I went to Centro Vecchia, which is like which is like old center, they call it, old old downtown, which was fun, lively, a lot of people. I was really impressed with just sort of how much more cosmopolitan the city is, especially Bucharest, and, you know, I remember it being when I was younger. It's, you know, the when I remember it younger, it was during, you know, communist era where people were standing in lines to try to get bread, and it, today it's just a very different city. Yeah, Daniel, do you remember that when we went there together, when I would try to talk to a girl, what they would always ask me? <laughs> they would ask you, like, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> uh, almost. Almost. They would ask me, how many cars do I have? How many cars do you have? Yeah, that's that's important. I will say this. A lot of women there uh, are interested in getting married. You know, that, that, I did notice that while I was there for the week. I had uh, not quite proposals, but definitely some interest for marriage. I mean, Daniel's advice to me, James, was to go uh, – just tell them five. I, was like, no, I, I can't lie. Just, just, just get some pictures off the internet. Put them on your phone. Yeah. Go, yeah, here they are. Just, <laughs> One just get, just get a picture of Floyd Mayweather's like driveway, and you know you'll you'll, you'll find a, a whole barrage of cars there. So Daniel, you came home in time for the Super High Roller Bowl. Have you seen this exchange between Ike Haxon and Jason Mercer about the final table of that event? I have not. What happened now? Up to date. Update me. Uh, so Ike is promoting the fact that if you tune into Poker Central, you can watch six of the best poker players and, oh, okay. a, and a blubbering man-child. I think we know who he's talking about, but Jason Mercia responds as a gag. Really didn't expect you to call out Eric Seidel publicly like that. Brutal man. <laughs> to which Ike responds, yeah, I know, but after 30 years in the game, I'd expect him to be able to keep it together. And of course, there's a few people out there who didn't get the joke and are like, uh, you, are you talking about Eric Seidel like that? Don't you mean Phil Helmuth? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. Like, I've done that many times on Twitter where I'm obviously joking. Like, so clearly obvious. You'd have to, like, really dig deep to find any reason. that. But the, then you still get the responses where people go, how dare you say such a thing? Where they missed the other seven tweets in a row where you were totally making up funny hashtags about things people might say. And then they see one and they're like, that's just wrong. I'm like, it's a joke. I love it when people point out your own joke to you. <laughs> You're like, no, no, I, I know that's that's why I wrote it like that. But the truth of the matter is that Phil Helmuth Jr. has made another final table of a huge buy-in event. He is remaining relevant even in the year 2016. Yeah, no, it's been a while actually. You know, Phil has, you know, he does well at the World Series of Poker. That's where he grinds the hardest. 
But outside of that, he's really not a regular. He, he hasn't. The only super high role. He's never actually played the super high roller. He played the World Series one, played the one drop, and played this one in the super high roller bowl. But you don't see him playing in the other ones typically. With you know the the the, the really tough fields. This this field is actually really good for him because you had like twelve businessy type people, and he does really thrive in those environments. He's very good at you know as I mentioned earlier, doing exploitative type play. Um, and, uh, you know, like if you look at the final table, there's Dan Shack there. There's of course some, you know, some, a mix of players from, from both business and poker. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not surprising. You know, there's 49 players, like nobody's that bad typically in the tournament where they're not going to make final tables occasionally. So if Phil has a game that is very unique, plays his own brand of poker that a lot of people don't get or don't understand like where the, where his strengths are, I do. I, I see his weaknesses. I see his strengths. I see both. And uh, you know, when he's rocking and rolling and doing his thing, you know, he he can he can win. Why not? I want him to stay relevant forever. He, I, I think he's just the absolute best. Yeah. Well, I mean, the World Series of Poker is is a spot where he's always going to be able to. Like the thing about tournaments that people don't get is like even if you're the twentieth best tournament player or like even the hundredth. You're still going to win sometimes, you know. Whether you actually win money year in and year out, that's a totally unrelated um, question, you know. But you're going to post post results. This is like it's it's even the even the one of the worst players in the tournament is going to post results occasionally. Not saying that he is, so you know he's going to be able to stay relevant forever because he's always going to be playing the World Series and there's thirty you know thirty five forty tournaments he's going to play there. So you can expect him to cash you know five six times. Now, Daniel, um, you've got the World Series coming up. You've spoken on uh, Twitter about which events you're likely to play or the number of events you're likely to play. Have you made plans beyond that? Have you mapped out your schedule for the rest of this year? Well, all that I look, all that I've looked at right now, you know, the sort of locking in is Barcelona, because that's you know a great tournament starts off the EPT season. And beyond that is one big question mark. Of course, there is something big happening in the final quarter of 2016, and that is the U.S. presidential election, a subject you talk about a lot on Twitter, especially when you do your goddamn polls. Um, (laughs) I, I imagine that as you've now sworn allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, you get to vote, right? Yeah, that was part of the reason, you know, I wanted to become a citizen, apart from the fact that, you know, I've lived here for 20 years, I might as well go ahead and do it. I have no plans on leaving. It doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, I'm still Canadian, you know, I just happen to have a U.S. passport now too, and I get to vote. I mean, I know that it's just one vote, and theoretically it doesn't really matter, but it's funny how so many people on Twitter, when I I say anything politically, they're like, aren't you Canadian? What do you know, right? Then as soon as I become a citizen, it's like, oh, okay, now my opinion holds weight, right? Three weeks before, my opinions were useless, but now that I'm a citizen, I'm all of a sudden knowledgeable on all things American politics. Now that you've been magically transformed, you're allowed to speak. Right, exactly. Now, obviously, you approach the election not just as a U.S. citizen, but also as a gambler. And you've had some very strong views about where people should put their money, i.e. not on Donald Trump. Are you still confident that that's a winning bet? No, no. I'm actually quite nervous, to be honest with you. I haven't made that bet. I have a small bet I made um, with Doyle a little while ago. Uh, Nothing crazy. But I'm actually really concerned because it it seems as though no matter what Trump does, he manipulates in such a way that like for example just the way that he labels people you know lion ted little rubio crooked hillary like this is a very effective model that has never really been done in politics the way that he's doing it that just sort of changes the conversation it's less about the truth 
It's less about issues. It's more about how you can frame this person. And if you'll notice, like he won't, he won't name Ted Cruz without calling him Lion Ted. He won't say Hillary Clinton. He calls her Crooked Hillary, and that sticks with people. So he's doing. He's basically done what I think he's done. Is he's taken Celebrity Apprentice, the show that he or the Apprentice show, and he's essentially done that with this election. He's attacked, attacks, attacks people, avoids the truth. It's all about spinning, manipulating, persuasion, and he's been able to do that more and more. And, um, you know, Hillary, unfortunately, she's not very good at politics. Like one of her big sayings was love Trump's hate. Well, in that saying, you just said love, Trump. <laughs> you know, like love Trump's like you don't want to mess with words like that. So she's just not very good at this. Is she more qualified? Does she have a longer history in the game? Of course. Right. She knows she knows the issues, but she's got an issue with likability. This is a unprecedented election in that it's the highest unlikability um, rating for both candidates in the history of any sort of election. What I, find, what I find fascinating watching from the sidelines is the position that some people take, and Matt Glantz is among them, that they don't necessarily support Trump the man or Trump the politics. They support the idea of a non-politician, of a so-called outsider changing the system. Yeah, that's just a really interesting argument to me because I, I think about like this, you know, the outsider thing. And if I was, you know, if I, if I had a heart problem and I needed to have a surgeon or something, I wouldn't want an outsider who's just sort of like new. Bring me a hockey player. Bring me, bring me a construction worker who understands the issues. Like, what does it mean to be an outsider? It means that you haven't spent your life, you know, learning about all the various issues that you're going to face as president or even as a senator across the board. So you're new to it. So it's like new blood. And I think for Matt, because it's weird, he's like, Trump was his first guy. Bernie was his second. You know, both guys that rock the boat, but have very different views on the direction to take this country. I, I'm surprised by Matt's approach because I look at it this way. Matt's life is good, right? On all accounts, it's good. So he wants to blow it up, blow up the system, right? When you blow up the system, that's like, you know, having a big bankroll and betting it all on black. Like things could get better for you, potentially, maybe better for the country. That's a possibility, but could get a lot worse, not just for the country, but the entire world. You know, having someone like, you know, a Trump, I mean, obviously people could make the same argument for for Hillary Clinton, but I think Trump is a more divisive, dangerous figure just because of the way in which he, he's got really thin skin. You know, you, you, you mentioned that he's got small hands and, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll hijack the debate to let you know there's no problem downstairs. Daniel, I was, I'm glad you brought up politics because my first question I want to ask you is which candidate, you know, obviously we think it's going to be Trump and Hillary. Which one do we think will be better for poker? I think it's mostly irrelevant, frankly. Um, I mean, ah, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously Trump's been a casino guy. So, you know, he's owned casinos and might be more open to it. Um, but then again, you know, he's, he's running as a Republican and Republicans typically are the ones that are most opposed to regulating this industry. So uh, I would still go with Hillary in that one because she's a Democrat. OK, so you don't think that Trump will run the best poker games? Terrific. Just the greatest, the best games in his casinos. All right, Daniel, you answer that question. Here we go. We're going to play good for poker, bad for poker. I'm going to list you out a bunch of things. You just have to tell me whether or not you think they're good for poker or bad for poker. But keep in mind, there is a right and wrong answer to these. Are you ready? I'm down. Let's do it. OK, here we go. Question number one, super high roller bowl. Good for poker, bad for poker. Very good for poker. Correct. Good for poker. Question two, 40-second shot clock. Good for poker, bad for poker? Amazingly good for poker. 
Correct. He's two for two. Question three. The Brooklyn Brawler being released by the WWE. Good for poker, bad for poker? I'm going to go bad for poker because I have no idea who that is. That is correct. Three for three. He got a 50-50 shot every time. Here we go. Question number four. Super delegates. Good for poker, bad for poker? Oh, man. I'm going to go with bad for poker. Oh, no. They're good for poker. Question five. The Kid Poker documentary. Good for poker, bad for poker? I, that's got to be good for poker. A given. Question six. Beyonce's lemonade video. Good for poker, bad for poker? I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to go bad for poker. That is correct. Terrible for poker. Great call, kid poker. Here we go. Question seven. Gurkachino is good for poker, bad for poker. James may have to tell you what this is. Uh, this Gurkachino? Is a, this is a drink I accidentally invented, Daniel, by dropping a dill pickle, a.k.a. a gherkin, into a cup of coffee. Oh, man. I'm going to say coffee. Coffee's, coffee's good for... I'm going to go good for poker. Coffee is good for poker, but Gurkachino's bad for poker. Agreed. Lots of at-the-table vomiting. Question number eight. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Good for poker or bad for poker? <laughs> Autoerotic? So that's when people choke themselves to get off? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably good for poker. Good for poker. Nailed it. Here we go. How Three is questions it, how, to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pause. How is anyone's death good for poker? No, well, they you don't, don't have, have to die. die from it, James. Come on. You know what, James? Next time I'm in London, I'll show you how to do it. Question number nine. <laughs> JoJo Fletcher is this season's bachelorette. Good for poker, bad for poker? I don't know what she looks like or what. The I don't even watch it, but I'm going to go good for poker. Oh, no. Sorry. Bad for poker. She's awful. Question number 10. Star Wars Rogue One going back for reshoots. Good for poker, bad for poker? Bad for poker. That is correct. Bad for poker. One last question, Daniel. The condition known as aphantasia, that is someone who's born without an imagination. Good for poker, bad for poker? Really bad for poker. That's robotic boring. Yeah, no. No, that's bad. good for poker. Have you ever met a successful poker player? None of them have an imagination. <laughs> I don't know about that one. You're one of the few, Daniel. Anyway, uh, we appreciate you being on the show, buddy. You know what's really weird, James, is even though I do claim to be friends with Daniel, I still get nervous doing these interviews. He's an important guy. He's, I don't want to waste his time with dumb questions. And that's what you prepared for this interview? No, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all I had, Daniel. Thanks a lot. I'm going to go, uh, I'm gonna go auto erotic asphyxiation myself right now. The great thing is there are so many interviews with Daniel out there on the internet that I know however dumb a question I may ask, someone would have come up with one much, much dumber than me. Well, that's, I mean, the first time when, on that trip Daniel was talking about where he took me to Romania, the first stop was Vienna, and uh, we were walking out of the casino. <laughs> And I'm a few steps ahead of Daniel, and someone grabs him to do an interview, and he goes, yeah, sure. So I'm standing out in the lobby, and I see Daniel's like in the other room with a light with a camera in his face. And all of a sudden, he goes, hey, Stapes. Yeah? He goes, this guy just asked me the worst question ever. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. I, I Remind me never to ask a stupid question to Daniel in an interview. <laughs> and that's what the guy's video ended up being, Daniel criticizing him. And they're like, all right, well, I guess we got to put it online. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so Daniel, this could only hopefully the uh, the uh, a fantasia was only the second worst question you've ever gotten ever. No, that's actually I I actually thought about that question whether it's good or bad, and I have a theory, and I had a whole thought process of like if people have these weird desires or whatever, like better to just have it done, and they can keep that energy there, and then they're more relaxed and calm at the poker table. That I mean, that is way too much thought, but like maybe you know, that's what you do. Say, maybe there are some people I can think of that 
lose it at the poker table, then maybe you should try that. Maybe if that'll work, who knows? Just having no no imagination or feeling at all. Yeah, that. <laughs> all right, James. Should we let this the star goes? Maybe he wants to go watch his shit on Netflix. Oh, maybe he actually wants to go to bed. Daniel, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, guys. I'm uh, I'm a fan. I love the way that Daniel says any time. Do you reckon we could have him back on in a few weeks? Because we've still got like three shows to go before the summer break with no guests planned. If it weren't during the World Series of Poker and we had something interesting for him to talk about, I think he would do it. I think, he's, I think he really loves – you could look at the way he answered a lot of those questions. Now, there's a lot of times Daniel will answer questions and you know he's like doing what he's supposed to do as like a spokesperson. Here he gave us some really in-depth answers, but I think he just enjoys a discussion. I think he enjoys like a good lively debate. I don't feel – good about debating the guests a lot of the time because i feel like they're doing us a favor but if i could be like have a real show with daniel i think we could get into some fun stuff i think we should definitely try and get him back on before the end of the year to compete against you in superfan versus stapes and let him pick the subject yeah Yeah, for sure because you know what he'll make a good he'll make a good choice too because it'll be something that i at least have a chance in now just before we get to this week's superfan contest let's go into the lobby quickly and when i say lobby i mean netflix lobby that's right if you look at new additions (laughs) to netflix or if you look at what's going on in the documentaries genre you might just see the film kid poker that we've been discussing on this week's ept not live just a reminder it is available in the english language markets so that's netflix us canada uk and ireland australia and New Zealand. Right, let's keep the Negranu-themed antics going as we have a Life of Daniel-themed edition of everyone's favourite quiz. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. So we're going old school. On this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes, we're not allowing the superfan to pick the specialist subject. Oh no, we're making the rules here. And because this is the Daniel Negranu holiday special, Kid Poker, The Life of Daniel, is the theme. And the superfan who has volunteered to take part in today's show is Colm McKaminsky. Did I say that? No, no, no. no. Say it, say it, Colm. Colm McKaminsky. Colm McCumiskey, and it's very important that we stress there is a space between the muck and the Kumiskey. Yes, the Mac and the Kumiskey. The Mac. Why is that? Because I'm Irish and I don't know the name origin, but I just list, trust my dad to know how to spell his name. All right, I'm not sure I trust your dad yet, but we'll <laughs> see how you do on this quiz. What do you do, call McSpace Kumiskey? <laughs> I am. Um, I'm actually about to start a job in a few months with a, a pain and advertising company. Like they make pens and all this. But for past while, I was actually looking for work. But literally in the past, in the space of three days, I've gotten a job, gotten free merchandise from the GPL, and I'm on the best podcast on iTunes. So I'm having a great two days. Well, buddy, you've been an awesome uh, supporter of the various shows that we do. We appreciate it. I see a little avatar. James, I don't know if you're like me, but you know which are the good avatars Like before you even read their names. And when I see his little blue hoodie come up, right, that's you, the blue hoodie guy? That is Colm. The weird thing is when I saw you tweet today, Colm, I'm like, he must have been on already because this guy's been around for so long and watches all no, the live no, I, streams. I, I, never wanted, I never wanted to come on because I didn't actually think I, I had any special topic. I didn't want you looking at me going, Jesus. Like Because remember the, t- the time... 
you had to almost give out to the fella who didn't have a clue of a special topic. I didn't want to <laughs> do a repeat of it. Like, yeah, I was we, like, no, I, I was like, I'll appreciate it. And if I ever have a topic, I, I know well, I'll definitely want to go on. Like, Now, you did have a caveat. You did have a special request, yes. Tom, regarding the prize. Yes, I don't want, I, I'm not really a big online player. I'm more live. Like, I like to play with my friends and like the odd, like the odd, like, pub tournament that like so i'd rather money go to charity like because it'd literally just be a punt into like the poker universe like don't play online watch oh man the poker stars fat cat just jumped out his 700th story window out of complete disgust for you i respect people that play it it's like i respect people that play it just i'm just not that good at it Colm, I think it's a very generous gesture to say give the money to charity. We will, of course, send you an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt for taking part in the quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so yeah. the specialist subject is Daniel Negreanu. And yes. now, of course, the film has only been live on Netflix for a few hours. You probably mm-hmm. haven't had a chance to see it. But to be honest, it's not going to help you because most of these questions are not necessarily based on stuff that's in the movie. Actually, I that's used... That's open for. Ah, you see, but some of them are and some of them aren't because... During my research, I discovered numerous factoids about D-Negs that didn't make the final cut. So, as I said, some of them based on what's in the film, some of them not. As you are our guest, as you are the super fan, you can choose whether you want odd or even, whether you want to go first or second. I'll go first. You'll go first. Here we go with this week's game. Super fan versus states. So, Colm, the first question... How many years older than Daniel is his brother, Mike? Now, you've got four options. This is a multiple-choice game. So how many years older than Daniel is his brother, Mike? Is the answer five, six, seven, or eight? I think it's either five or six. I'm not too sure. I just I remember just knowing his brother is like... I'm going to go with five. Correct Probably for a point. Colm, you're on the board. You're one Good nil one, up. Colm. Uh, Joe, your question. Who was the runner-up in the 2013 World Series of Poker Europe High Roller when Daniel won his sixth bracelet? Was it Adrian Mateos Diaz, Nicolas Villalobos, Fabrice Soulier, or Eric Seidel? Buenos dias, Adrian. You're answering Adrian Mateos Diaz. Diaz. Yes. And you would be wrong. The answer was Nicolas Villalobos. I knew that. But obviously right, no, no no, stealing in this game, Colm, because it's okay. multiple choice. Um, okay, sorry. But yeah, that was kind of a trick one because it was the other guy with three names. And also at that same WSOPE, Adrian Mateus Diaz won the main event. Yeah, yeah, I knew he did something. And Eric Seidel was on the final table of that as well, of the high roller. Oh my God, this oh. guy's got good knowledge. We got a badass over here. Colm, you should have come on the podcast in the old days when we used to ask people EPT-related trivia and they bombed it. I don't mind. I should have, but I, I don't know. I just don't have the... I, 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 I was listening to you like, probably from the... I think I want to say about the 10th episode on because before that, I was like... I don't know. I just didn't really have time. I was, I was working in the shop and all that. I didn't have time just to sit back and enjoy something this good. But now I can, so... Well, that's a good thing. You can always mm-hmm. catch up on... The original yeah. episodes, by the way, because they're all on iTunes. Uh, question three, Colm, it's your question. What was the name of the middle school that Daniel attended in North York, Toronto? Was it Ridgeway, Highway, Gooseway, or Pineway? Okay, I actually don't have a clue. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and Go say... Go for it. Ridge, Ridgeway. 
Ridgeway is incorrect. The answer was actually Pineway. That Pineway. was the other one I was going to go for. Well, you got your last flip right, so, you know, that's you're running on expectation at the moment. Uh, Joe, your question. In 2005, Daniel served as poker ambassador for which Las Vegas resort? Bellagio, Wynn, Mirage, or Venetian? It was the win. It was. That is correct. So we have a tied game after the second round. And we move on to your third question, Colm. Question five. Daniel played the role of poker player in which music video? Was it Poker Face by Lady Gaga? What Goes Around Comes Around by Justin Timberlake? Waking Up in Vegas by Katy Perry? Or Human by The Killers? It's either one or three, I think. So... Number three. Waking Up in Vegas by Katy Perry. Colm, you are two out of three in flips. You get a point, and there is a bonus point attached to this question. And I will give you that bonus point if you can tell me in which 2009 movie did Daniel play the same role, i.e. poker player? Uh, Wolverine Origins. Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. It was X-Men Origins Wolverine, but you got yeah, me in a good mood. Oh, come on, you can't... That's like no, 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 no. I can be a pedantic shit, so I can easily <laughs> not give you the point. I but. know that, but that's, what you're, that's your charm. <laughs> you're 3-1 up, Colm. You already gave me the point, man. You don't have to call him charming. Joe, your question. In, wh in what year did Daniel marry Laurie Lynn Webber? 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. 2002. Incorrect. It was 2005. Oh. oh. Calm. If you're going to be a know-it-all, be right! <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry, James. Apologies. But, but Joe, right. you can get the bonus question still, which is worth a point. When did they divorce? Uh, they divorced in 2008. Incorrect. It was 07. Calm. it's looking good for a win for you, but you've still got two questions to go. Yeah. And question seven. Your penultimate question. What was the first European Poker Tour event that Daniel played as a member of Team Poker Stars Pro? Was it EPT3 Dortmund, the EPT3 Grand Final, EPT4 Barcelona, or EPT4 London? Um, what was the first two, sorry? Uh, EPT3 Dortmund and the EPT3 Grand Final. Oh, no, I'm going to have to... I'm not even sure about this one. Uh, I'll say Dortmund. I'm probably wrong. You are wrong. It was actually EPT4 Barcelona. But once again, bonus point attached to this question. Mm -hmm. All those events were in the same year. What year? Um, All them events were in the same year. What year? So if it's... Okay, no, hold on a second. Sorry. It's going to do some basic mathematics now. Yeah, it literally is actually just doing basic mathematics work. We've just had, you have to finish in season 12, 2016. 16. Uh, this, uh, this, feels, this feels like cheating to me. It's not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Oh, Jesus. No, it's actually embarrassing, Matt. 2007? Yes, you nearly fell into the trap of saying 2008, didn't you? But no, you worked it no, out. It was actually more of a thing of I was about, accidentally not about to like go even further back and say something stupid like 2004. <laughs> <laughs> You're 4-1 up, and Joe, it's your penultimate question. What variant of poker 
did Daniel cover for Super System 2? Was it Limit Hold'em, Stud 8, Triple Draw, or Omaha 8? First of all, you know what I thought I was doing, Daniel Negreanu trivia. I thought it was going to be something that, you know, that like, what does Daniel look like naked? Can you pick his penis out of a lineup? What does his breath smell like in the morning? That's the kind of questions I was thinking I would get that I would own this competition. Um, I think Daniel's section super was it Super System Two? You said it was Super System Two. And what that, was the Omaha option? It was Limit Hold'em, Stud Eight, Triple Draw, or Omaha Eight. Oh, man. Uh, let's, let's go with Omaha 8. Incorrect. It was triple draw. I thought yeah. the trap you were going to fall into was saying was that Daniel... Hold him, I thought it was. Yeah, and the bonus question, Joe, so you can still get a point. Who wrote the Limit Hold'em chapter? The Limit Hold'em chapter was written by David Chu. Incorrect. And there is a kid poker connection here because it's Daniel's friend, Jennifer Harmon. Ah, uh, Jennifer Harmon. Okay, Colm, your final question, and spoiler alert, you are going to win the game. Uh, what was the name of Daniel's 2006 poker video game? Was it Stacked, Busted, Scooped, or Mucked? Stacked. It was Stacked. And, and, and Joe has literally just walked out. No, he hasn't. Now, I don't know whether this is because he's throwing a hissy fit, or he's gone off to prove that he has stacked for the PlayStation 2, which he bought secondhand for $8.99. No, sorry, it's reduced no, no. to $5.99. No, no, it's actually just 99 cents. Oh, wow. That's a dollar sign. I got it for less than a dollar at a Blockbuster video going out of business. That is amazing. Years ago. And I love I just, the fact, just hold it up again there, Joe. It says, poker raised. Stacked with Daniel Negreanu. <laughs> Have you actually played that game, Jay? I had never actually played oh. it because by the time I got this, I no longer had a PlayStation 2 anymore. But I remember, I mean, I've given Daniel a really hard time about this game over the years because uh, when I went and shot something with him, I, talk, I took it to his house and like pulled it out on camera. And I was like, <laughs> hey, 99 cents. This is obviously a huge hit. It like almost ended all poker video games when it <laughs> happened. It was like such an epic disaster. Not really his fault, so it's okay to make fun of him for it. Uh, Colm, you scored five points in total. Joe, your final question. Let's see if you can narrow the gap between the two of you. Daniel enjoyed a lot of success in 2004, as documented in Kid Poker. What were his combined WPT caches that year? So just on the World Poker Tour alone, 1.5 million, 2.3 million, 3.1 million or 3.8 million US dollars 2.3 million it was 3.8 million dollars wow. and shit. he had I believe he was third in the PCA which was a WPT event back in 2004 uh, he came runner-up in another event and the two he won were both worth seven-figure scores including the WPT championship which was worth around 1.8 million so a huge year for Daniel and of course was also World Series player of the year in the summer of 2004 um, but also not just congratulations to Daniel for his amazing run back then but congratulations to Colm who has just won Superfan versus Stapes which means you get that everyone loves a chop pot t-shirt and as, as sure as you don't want to uh, yeah positive I want money donated to charity please 
That's a very, that really nice, very noble gesture. Thank you very much, Carl. We'll make sure that a twenty-seven dollar donation gets made to the uh, Pokestars charity du jour. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for coming on the show and taking yeah. part in Superfan versus Tapes. Hey, I just want to say, lads, thanks very much for having me on. It's actually a pleasure to talk to you. Is you really are like, I've actually said to my sister, meeting you two or talking you two for me would be like meet for like most people in the world meeting your one off Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, like. These are legends. <laughs> I don't know why you are laughing. Like these are highly entertaining and the best commentators out there. Like that's that's very we kind have, of you. But we you know, appreciate it very much, man. It's just you know, Amelia Clark, Joe Stapleton. Oh, no, you're wrong. Yeah. He's on his good luck, Nazar. But like you, you are like in my books, you are like up there in terms of people to admire and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, higher to be honest. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. Well, now like, oh, I didn't want. I didn't want to laugh this time. Oh no! It's, <laughs> that's my sister laughing. Now. <laughs> Com, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week's show. I am going to Vegas tomorrow. For a bunch of work on stuff in Vegas, I assume on next week's show we'll probably talk a little bit about what adventures I get into in Vegas. I'll uh, I'll have done the Aaron Paul GPL match. It seems like by then. Cool. I'm hoping by next week, in addition to people feeding back on the podcast, in addition to people applying to be on Superfan versus Stapes, we might have people reviewing the film now that it's out there on Netflix. So hashtag Kid Poker. I'll make sure I check out that timeline as well. Yeah, and speaking of reviewing the film, I'm just going to put a little five-star review on Netflix. There we go, right now. Get those reviews in for Kid Poker. Uh, Also, I I mentioned that I was going to recap some of my stand-up a few weeks ago. We've still got that in the hopper. Look, if more interesting stuff happens and we don't need it for the show, we're probably going to skip it. We're going to give it one last chance next week. And, James, someone is after our jobs. That's right. I had a I had a kid from Australia send me a video of him doing commentary over his home game, and I actually thought it was pretty entertaining. So I'd like to play you guys some of that on next week's show, and then James and I will give you an actual expert critique over what we think. Well, we'll give you a critique. That, I'm not sure whether there'll be an expertise attached. Right. We're I mean we're both experts at something. It just may not be poker commentary. So that's it. That's all the time we got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, this is Joe Stable and saying, smell you later. <laughs> <laughs>